Hello, everyone. This is Zorina Dimitrova, the host of the online summit, The New Game of Leadership. I have the pleasure to welcome Clifton Carmody today. Hi, Clifton. Hello, Zorina. How are you? <laughs> Thank you. Great, great. Great to have you. You have an amazing uh, topic today where you're giving practical tips, seven easy ways for people uh, to become more conscious about leadership. I'm sorry if I'm not quoting the title exactly, but let me read it out loud for you. <laughs> seven easy ways to become a more aware leader. Yeah. Yes. The, uh, I, truth in lending here, being a little more honest, they're, they're, they're real simple, but they're not always easy, but easy sounds better and might get more people listening. So, yeah. yeah. So uh, before we begin, um, I'd like to just let you know that this is being recorded. So if you would like to ask a question and not be on the recording, then please type in the chat. Otherwise, unmute yourself and feel free to ask any questions during our conversation. Um, so Clifton, I, I'm just going to mention two things about you and let you introduce yourself. yourself. I know that uh, you were recently awarded uh, uh, some very significant, um, how should I call them, honors. One of them is by uh, the um, HR Tech Outlook magazine, who voted you as top 10 leadership development coach in 2020. And Business Insider listed you among the 20 mindful thought leaders to guiding us into a better 2021. Yes, uh, I was very fortunate somehow. So yes, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm very lucky there. I think somebody was listening to me at some point. So good. Well, I'm sure you've got important things to say. Yeah. Um, so Clifton, what, how long have you been an executive coach now? Um, I, I've, I've been working, you know, coaching is a, a slow business to get going, really. And so I think I started my coaching career about eight or nine years ago. Uh, really, the last few years, last three or four years, I've really uh, been pushing. I've got a couple people I work with now also. Um, we founded, uh, I founded Mindful Leader. And so this is, uh, Mindful Leader works as a reset button of sorts to bring purpose, passion, and happiness into leaders and uh, organizations. We do this by creating more conscious, more aware, more awake leaders. So that's, um, you know, that, that's what I do. Prior to that, I spent about 25 years in uh, corporations, Fortune 500 uh, companies, restaurant groups. Uh, then I got into boutique uh, hotels and hospitality. Um, I've, I've worked all over the United States and kind of the cool spots, Vegas and Miami and Southern California. Uh, I, I've also, after I started my career, um, I, I had about 20 years of meditation and that uh, really helped when I started coaching. I realized, you know, they're, they're, people are really smart. My clients are really smart, um, but they are, or we, we do dumb things when we don't always know what our goals are minute to minute, when we let the ego come up or when we get a little frustrated. And so uh, I, I started teaching these little mindfulness techniques to the people I coached. And that, that, that was the impetus for uh, creating Mindful Leader. So that's, mm -hmm. people actually get what they want more by just being more aware. And is there a link between what happened uh, last year in, or what's been going on in the world with the whole pandemic and the fact that you've been awarded these um, honors by the Business Insider and the HR Tech uh, Magazine? So did you have any specific I, you know, insights into managing people during these times? Yes. Um, and, you know, let me bring this out for, you know, for the people listening to this. Um, you know, 2020, I don't know about you. The way I started off was I had three of the most magnificent um, candidates I was going to hire. After going through, you know, how it is, 50 applications, three people that were just phenomenal and i'm i'm gonna hire these people i had made verbal um uh, i made verbal offers and then contracts started dying and plans for the year started going awry because of covid so you know january and february everything was going great march and april all of a sudden it 
you know, we, we hit the brakes. So I'm sure there's a lot of, you know, other people, you know, managers, HR directors who, who feel the same. The clients I was working with at the time, you know, we started off uh, working on growth, you know, beginning of the year, everybody wants to start on growth and how are we going to grow this company and, you know, everything else. Within months, it went from how are we going to grow the company to how are we even going to keep the doors open? And then, uh, you know, once we kind of got a grip on that and we were waiting around for COVID to leave, and then the summertime hit, then all of a sudden it was social justice issues were coming up to the forefront. Then all of a sudden I was coaching people and what started off long-term goals was growth, then it was just staying afloat, then it was, okay, how are we going to manage both our customers and our employees, you know, around these social justice issues? So, you know, again, that was my client's years. Um, and I think all of us have, have been dealt with the changing stories of COVID. Oh, it's not that serious. It's kind of serious. Um, you know, whatever it was, we, you know, there were a lot of conflicting stories, a lot of uncertainty. Um, and then, we, you know, then right, right when we got the vaccine and we thought everything was going to be getting better, um, then all of a sudden in the biggest economy in the world, we had a contested election and people didn't know really which, what was going on, you know, there's talks of rebellion in the United States is crazy. So um, all those, all those things affect us as leaders. And I think, you know, if we work mindfully and we work more aware, I think when we, when we have those types of things, um, they get appreciated. And I think that's what happened. People, people see that they see this is uh, something, you know, th this whole, um, this whole event you, you, you put together, Serena, uh, wow, like you put together this event is perfect time. This is what's going on in our world right now. So I think that's where I got my, my accolades because I think, the, I think there's a general consensus shifting that we need a different type of leadership style. Yeah, right. So, uh, so what is your view on the different type? Maybe I'm jumping too much, no, too much no, no. straight into the subject, but um, you know, you can look at leadership from so many various perspectives. Mm -hmm. uh, and you're looking at leadership from the perspective of mindfulness at the moment. Right. Right. I, you know, it's mindfulness. It's mindfulness. It's being just more aware. Uh, it's, it's really trying to understand all the, all the different situations that go on as you walk into a meeting, as you send an email, as you uh, try to come up with strategies or tactics for your business, as you're putting together your budgets. Um, you know, as leaders, all those things I went over just now, the, you know, the three candidates that I had, the changing COVID stories, my clients changing uh, what was important, all those things from the, were from the leader's perspective, but if we look at it and we kind of go backwards and we say, okay, how about those people we lead? Uh, those people that, that follow us, our customers, our employees. If we go back and we look at those same things, okay? I had three candidates I hired and then all of a sudden they didn't, you know, they didn't get the job. They, all of a sudden their plans were all blown up. They thought they could trust me. They thought, oh yes, I'm gonna get hired then. I mean, they understand, they understand COVID, they understand why those decisions are being made. But then again, that's a, you know, that all of a sudden everything gets flipped on his head. Um, from the point of view of my, my clients, um, business owners, CEOs, guess what? They end up telling their people, oh yes, don't worry, we're gonna make this work. Oh, it's gonna be hard. We're gonna have to shave hours and shave costs and, and do some labor cuts. And then all of a sudden, oh no, everything's gonna be okay. And then all of a sudden people start saying, oh, in the winter time, it's gonna get worse. This, this makes people kind of crazy. You have contested elections where one side says one thing and another side says another thing in COVID. You have uh, scientists saying one thing, politicians saying another thing. Uh, what does that do to the, our customers? What does that do to um, our, our staff? Well, I think it puts them in a position where they're just, they're confused. Right. Just like we are as leaders, we're confused. We don't know which what's going to happen. And it's untrusting. Like they, they can't trust what's going on. And I believe that um, I, and I, I believe that's where that whole idea of 
being mindful or more aware or conscious leadership. I think that's what's taking off right now. I think I also think it's a generational thing. So. Yeah, absolutely. No, but but I can concur to what you're saying uh, just based on the post that I was observing on LinkedIn. So one day um, uh, there were companies and, you know, uh, school classmates of mine that were posting, we're hiring, you know, on uh, and, you know, boasting about in the midst of COVID, we're all hiring and then depression and, you know, we're, we need to cut costs and that. exactly what you mentioned. So I actually observed this only by browsing through the post week by week. Yes. Yeah. Yes. This, this, this is, you know, this is, this is happening and, you know, and it, it creates all the, you know, this is by, by definition, this is what a VUCA world is, volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous. Um, this is the, what we're living in right now. And this is what as leaders we need to understand. We need to understand that it's not only as leaders going through this, trying to create budgets, trying to create staffing plans, trying to create marketing plans. It's not only that, it's, it's not, you know, not, not only for us, but it's also, our customers and it's also our staff. Everybody is going through all this, um, and and I think this is this is really important because right now we're we're making the shift. We're making a shift from fear-based leadership, uh, top-down leadership, to a more a um, little, little more horizontal, a little more instead of I'm the superhero CEO that knows how to do everything, talks down, directs, you know, whatever to uh, a highly technical society with many different moving parts, uh, very complex. And so for, for us, what we need to do uh, as leaders is we need to be able to communicate to those, all those different myriad parts and uh, be able to get input. We've got to change that confused and, and untrusting to a, a, a clear understanding and, and a very trusting uh, attitude. Uh, we've got to get people to trust us. And this is, you know, this is where it gets a little tricky because what we have is we have, um, we have like four, we have four major uh, generations going on right now. We have uh, baby boomers and the baby boomers are at this C-suite level for the most part. They're over 56 generally. Uh, Gen Xers are 40 to 56. Uh, and they're the ma senior managers, director levels. Uh, yeah, the millennials, and they're about 24 to 40, and they're entering that management, that career stage. And then uh, Gen Z people are, are coming uh, in also. And each one of those generations brings awesome, awesome things to the table. Everybody brings something different, and, and the, each generation kind of creates the next generation. Uh, but what's really important, you know, for the sake of our conversation is you, you have the people that are 40 years old and younger have been raised in a, a, a way where purpose, passion, um, uh, understanding, these, these type of things are, are um, like having a reason, like they're, they're just not going to go to work. You know, you, you have millennials, they're, they're, they're not committed to the workplace. They're usually committed more to a cause or to a purpose. So um, as, as CEOs, what we need to do is we need to understand this and then work with them uh, in a way that brings out the best. So as I was talking, like, you know, baby boomers are used to this top down, maybe Gen Xers like myself, you know, this is maybe more top down and more directive. But where, where we're getting into problems right now is we live in this volatile, uncertain world and we're acting like we know all the answers. You know, we come in and da, 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 we have a meeting, we lead the meeting and we tell them what to do. And in reality, we don't know the answers. And guess what? Everybody else knows that we don't know the answers either. So what happens is we come in, we make some big statement, we come up with a plan, then we have to change it around a couple months later, like last year, then we have to change it a couple months later. Instead of doing all that, why don't we kind of flip the script? Why don't we just be honest, be more aware, be more conscious leaders, and then walk in and, and, and just be aware of the situation, be more vulnerable in the situation and allow things to happen. So that's where I get into, you know, my, you know, the seven, the seven ways to be more 
um, aware of aware. yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not just being aware of others, like you said, that's perfect. It's being aware of yourself. It's being aware mm -hmm. of, of your moods. It's being, there's a great restaurateur, uh, Danny Myers. And uh, in one of his books, he, he came out with this wonderful thing. He said, you would never leave the house without knowing what the weather was. If it was rainy, you'd, you'd grab an umbrella, a raincoat. If, if it was really hot, you'd be wearing something that was a little less warm. If it was cold, you'd be wearing a coat. His idea, he, he came up with something and it helped me in, in my own development as a, as a, a manager and, and, and subsequently executive. Uh, check in with yourself, you know? And so later on, I'll talk about three, um, this uh, stop for three method that I have that kind of helps people uh, recalibrate and kind of check their own personal weather before they do something important. But, um, so let me let me get into the uh, seven uh, this, these seven ways and and what I what I really work with my clients on the the first thing that you need to have is you need to have this uh, uh, radical responsibility one hundred percent radical responsibility it's it's all you and it doesn't you know I didn't create COVID but I need to understand that if I have any challenges in my company. I didn't make it COVID proof, right? Now, obviously, you know, you just have to have some self-compassion who thought, you know, we'd have a pandemic this year. Uh, but it's, it's the idea that you're, you're going to take this integrity piece and you're going to take 100% responsibility. And a good tool for this, a, a good tool for this, um, this step is asking yourself, how am I complicit in allowing this to happen? Uh, this, this, uh, this came from a, a, another great coach, Jerry Colano uh, from Reboot. He came up with this great idea. He said, look, every single thing in your life, you need to take responsibility for at some level. I mean, even if it's COVID, right? Now, I, I didn't create it, like I said, but I, I need to frame why, why I wasn't prepared for this. And that's fine. I don't have to get mad about it. I don't have to get upset about it. All I have to do is figure out what I can do and where my responsibility lies and how I can, how, how I can move forward from this. So, you know, that's, that's the number, that's, that's the number one thing without that, you know, you really can't move forward. Um, and, and the next step, okay, the next step is... May I um, just add something on the, uh, on the first step? I, I actually think this applies across the line and not necessarily, it's not necessarily bound only to this pandemic situation, but when it comes uh -huh. to um, uh, execute, because there's so many different structures, not every company is, um, is dependent on its own managers. It could be a subsidiary, it could be... Um, you know, even if you're an executive or a middle manager, you're still responding to somebody else's requirements and to external uh, influences. So this generally applies to any external environment influences and requirements. And, and you're right. That's that's a great that's a great point. It's external, right? That's that's one thing. You know, COVID suppliers, distributors, what have you. That's one. Also internal. If I make a hire and I really don't interview long enough and I'm too quick to hire and I, you know, whatever, and then I have some challenges with my staff member, I need to take that on. I need to accept 100% responsibility. I got to ask myself, look, where, where is the problem? Did I train them well enough? Did I set expectations well enough? Did I interview thoroughly enough? Did I do my background checks in a way that works? It, all those, you know, th those little pieces. And then and if they're still not working out, that's okay too. I can take responsibility. I don't have to get upset about it. I don't have to demean the person I'm talking to, but I might have to let them go and allow them to be more successful somewhere else, somewhere where, you know, their skill sets work a little bit better. So you're right. That's, that's a, that's a perfect point. Um, and then, you know, that, and that leads me number two, okay? I call it pronoia, okay? So there's paranoia, right? Which is like the whole world's against me, right? Pronoia is the opposite of that. The whole world's for me. The whole world wants me to succeed. And, and really, 
this is a mindset. This is a mindset, how we approach problems. When we, when we walk into a, um, a, a meeting, are we thinking win-win? We really need to, you know, Stephen Covey came up with this years ago. Win-win, like everything for, for your distributors. Do you, you know, you want your distributors, you want to feel like your distributors are, are for you, right? They want your success because you're buying whatever, you're buying lumber for them, you're buying widgets, you're buying these things from them. And um, they want you to succeed. And you also want them to succeed because you want to get a good deal on the widgets or what have you. And so the whole idea is to think win-win and think, you know, the whole world's got your back. And, and it's a mind shift and it's, it's a paradigm shift. And it's, 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 you, you, it allows you to take responsibility, 100% responsibility for the other person, right? Like they're taking care of you, you're taking care of them, this is how we're gonna operate. Now, we, we know in the real world, this doesn't always work. And I don't wanna sound too woo woo. I, I, you know, I was a hard driving corporate person for well, my whole career. And, um, you know, I, I, rug, I was a rugby player, almost got the national rugby team. I'm not a woo-woo guy, but it works. This works. This kind of stuff works. You need a, you know, this kind of social responsibility works. So um, you, when you have that kind of pronoia, the people that you're working for, when they know it's a win-win situation. They know you're working on making sure that on both sides of the fence, um, there, there needs to be success. Uh, you, you know, otherwise it's just kind of a doggy dog and people, people don't feel comfortable with that. Your customers want to feel like you're looking out for them. Uh, you have customers are 73% more likely to shop at a socially conscious company. 73%. Uh, they'll pay 16% more uh, for goods and services if it's a friendly place with, with good service. Think about that. People are willing to pay more just to have good service. And we know this. We know like some of the most successful companies out there were socially conscious. Uh, Patagonia, Whole Foods, um, Legos, the little toys. I think that's a European company. Uh, ben and Jerry's. Um, these are companies that, that make a lot of money. They're socially conscious and people will pay more for their goods and services. So this is something that's already proven. This isn't some kind of woo-woo like, oh yeah, well maybe. No, it's not a maybe, it's, it's definitive. Think win-win and, 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 and think that the world's out to get you. Be positive, right? So, uh, and, and one, other, one other area really helps, a, a real, you know, where the brass, uh, where, where the, you know, the rubber meets the road, so to speak, um, is in meetings. If you prep yourself for a meeting that you're going to war, if you prep yourself for a meeting, it's going to be a battle and you use these metaphors over and over. That's what the meeting is going to be. The fact of the matter is whenever you go into a meeting, there's two sides. There's, there's the person wanting whatever they want, whether it's an employee, a customer, a, a distributor, a purveyor, whatever, right? So th there's that. And then there's you as the leader. Think win-win, like how are we going to do something, not like win-lose or lose-lose, but we both are going to come out of this stronger. And as long as you create the possibility right there, as long as you create the possibility, this meeting is going to go great. This is a positive thinking. This is pronoia. This is win-win. So that's, uh, that's step number two. Let me add something onto this step as well. Yes, <laughs> please. A, I love a, it. A memory, a memory that popped up. Um, I... I did an MBA 10 years ago, 11 years ago, 10 years ago. And uh, there were a lot of clubs. And so everybody was a member of at least two clubs, but the one that had all the members, so everybody was a member of this club was the, or almost everybody was the net impact club. And it had to do exactly with what you're saying. It was just called net impact, but it was, uh, it was a lot about the environment, but not only social responsibility in general. Mm -hmm. And but you're of course added the, the next step of this mindset, which was um, the win-win in any situation, including internal meetings. Yeah. Yes, I, I mean that's you know that's really this is where we're going, right? It, it doesn't matter. Like generationally, Gen Z, millennials, they already feel this way. They've already seen it working. They're going to get older, and, and pretty soon they'll be in the C-suites if they're not already. 
and then it'll become you know it, it'll just be a fact it won't be anymore like we won't be questioning this anymore this this is where we're moving uh we need it both for the challenges coming up economic cli uh, climate change things like that whatever and then we also have it generationally where people are coming up and it's naturally something that they believe in so um, I, I agree. I think that when, when 10 years ago, this was brand new, this idea. So when you were going to school, this was like, oh, yeah, this is kind of cutting edge. I believe it's not cutting edge. I believe the people I'm working with right now are, you know, they might be a little behind the times. They need to catch up if they want to be number one in their industry. So um, moving on, I have um, no, uh, number three, uh, as a leader, just by definition, we have to uh, be goal setters. We have to set intentions. And now this is uh, intentions uh, are, are both for your company, for the people you lead and for yourself. Okay. And this is, this is, this is like one of the number one things I, I see leaders get kind of hung up with a little bit. They have a goal. They're going to, you know, go into a meeting. They want to think win-win. They want to make sure everybody's happy. And then they walk into the meeting and they have some anxiety, they have whatever. And instead of allowing, uh, and instead of understanding what their goal was and remembering what their goal was, what they end up doing is they end up just messing it all up. They walk in, they let their ego get a hold of them. Somebody says something they don't like. They, bosses pull the power uh, uh, play and it just doesn't work. So you need it both for your business. Obviously, you need you need a clear vision. You need to be able to express that vision. And then you also need it in the littlest things. When you send an email, what is the purpose of the email? Is it just a little informational? Is it to assert something, whatever? Um, when you pick up the phone and make a phone call, before you go into a meeting, make sure you're clear on what your intention is um, and when you're leading other people be clear about what that intention is we all know in leadership that's the number one thing you have to have you, you have to have vision right you have to have vision understanding a goal right and then you also have to have if you're a leader you have to have somebody to follow you so really this gets back to the original thing we talked about being you know what what 2020 represented is people were confused and people weren't trusting um, in this case what we need is uh, as far as intention and goals go here, that's clarifying the confusion, right? Like, okay, this is clear. This is exactly what I want to do. This is where I want to go. I don't want to get off on any tangents. So that's, you know, intention and goal. That's, that's, that's going to, that's going to help slice through that confusion. So. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, I have no question on this part. Anybody else have any questions? <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah. so number four. Um, number four uh, is uh, uh, ego check, right? Like, um, and it's it's a habit of going through life with less of an ego. And of course, as soon as we become leaders as soon as we get into a position of authority of formal authority usually what got us into a position of authority was informal authority right so as soon as we get in a position of formal authority sometimes we forget like where we came from or sometimes we think we're the only ones with the answers or you know as you age then you feel like you know more than those people that are have these crazy ideas beneath you or whatever and so uh, step four is being uh, ego check and a real good tool, um, a, a real good tool for this is being curious. Um, you, you still have 100% responsibility. You're not giving up your, your um, responsibility. You're not abdicating your responsibility. You're still 100% responsible, but you are going to ask questions. And how does this manifest? Yeah, a good, a good, thing is you, you you have some ideas you have in this case let's say how are we going to rate relate to this certain challenge the government has put on us because of covid so you sit down with your team leaders at a meeting and you've thought about this for a week before the meeting and you've planned stuff and you have it outlined and diagrammed and you're ready to you know lay it on everybody um when you have that meeting though it's it's asking questions it's 
It's sitting around and, and allowing and, and trusting other people, asking other people what they think. Even if you know you're going to do it your way, even if you know you're going to do it your way and whatever, there's got to be a, a, a situation where you, you're you a little bit curious as to what other people are thinking. Um, you know, there's that saying, uh, you know, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Uh, like you, you, you don't want to be that way. So you do want to be curious. You want, and that all comes from checking your ego. You, you can't, if you don't check your ego, uh, and, and people know it, they're not, even if you ask a question, they're not going to, to, to give you their own, their own answer because they know like you're kind of full of yourself. And this is, you know, if I said the, the number three, the attention and goals was one of the hardest things for other people to remember. I think this ego check is probably one of the things I have the hardest time with. So, um, you know, it's, 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 it's a lot of things is how to be a good leader. Um, get feedback, be curious, ask questions, ask, ask people, how'd that meeting go? How did I do in that meeting? Uh, formally with my clients, we oftentimes do 360 feedbacks with their staff. And when we do that, well, what we end up finding is, Sometimes they haven't done something like this ever before. They haven't been reviewed by their staff before, and they don't even realize some of their little quirks that set people off or or put other people in a, a position where they don't really feel comfortable sharing. So that's um, get, having your ego checked is is I I think it's you know really important and is something I'm still working on myself. Yeah, and I, I think this is so much bound to your reputation. I remember when I was working in corporate and um, at some point, one of the CEOs had the reputation of having a very strong ego. So nobody would dare to challenge him or to ask any, or to bring their input at all, their honest input in meetings. But I remember being once sitting once in a uh, in a boardroom with all these people and I was wondering this was my first ever board meeting and, uh -huh. uh, and I was the only woman and the only one I think below 40 at the time and uh, so it was challenging for me uh, enough to be an outlier and then nobody would speak so you know it, when such an environment and such a it's not an environment a culture is created Uh -huh. already by the leader so it's a reputation that he has the culture is created it's it's very difficult for him also not only for the other people but for him to overcome this barrier that has already been created yes and that's and that's perfect and that actually leads me into my my fifth my 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 fifth step um exactly what you're talking about do you have presence and in that's it's developing a presence uh it's allowing Uh, time for other people, right? It's allowing space. Uh, you know, if you sit down at one of those meetings, your your job is your job is to get the best out of everybody. And if you can't get your best out of everyone, then guess what? You're adding to the confusion. You're you're setting yourself up not to know all the answers. You're setting yourself up to make decisions that might have to be reversed later on. And then all of a sudden, you have a, a staff again. They're not trusting the situation. So when you're, you're a perfect case in point in your, your, your situation, you're sitting there, you're at a board meeting, people are talking, there's this kind of stoic, you know, silence, or we're not going to challenge that. If, if that, if that leader would just kind of flip the script and, and say, I don't know if I know all the answers here, I'm going to call on each one of you, I'm going to give you all two minutes to think of something. And I want to hear some answers right now. Like, Like, I, I want to hear some crazy answers. Yes, anything, bring it out. Just create a culture where people are, are sharing. Um, and that comes from, and that's a lot of times in the 360s, what we, what we find when we do these 360 evaluations with people's staff and supervisors and boards. And um, it's, it's, it's there's, there's not presence. You know, sometimes these people who are getting paid a lot of money sit down and have a meeting with a lot of people that are getting paid a lot of money And then instead of paying attention and being present, they are multitasking. They're on their computer. They're on their phone. Um, they're, they're not present. And they're not creating a culture that allows um, that, that opening. So 
Um, and a lot of times, okay, so there's one, one another part of all this is, is that they're not present for the event they have. Okay, so they, they go, they have one meeting and, um, you know, it doesn't go well and whatever. Now they've heard some news they don't like, whatever. Then they walk into the meet, next meeting and they're not shifting gears. And this gets back to checking your own personal weather. A tool, this is, you know, a real simple tool to, to bring presence into the now that, that I've worked with is, uh, we call it stop for three, okay, first. And, and you can do it with me. Okay, so um, think of a, you know, think of a, a any time right before you're going to go into speaking with your business partner, whatever, you know, uh, think about that time. But I've, I heard your presentation earlier and I know you have kids, so I know what kids do. I've got kids too. So, uh, you know, you've just had this interaction with your kids. They're not getting ready for school, whatever. You just dropped them off to school, but they weren't getting ready. So now you're late. You know, you've got this, these challenges going on. Now, this is the perfect opportunity. You're going to get on this phone. You're already like a minute late, but you're just going to take just, just a few moments. First, stop for three deep breaths. Go ahead and feel it right now. Just breathe in deep. Exhale. Inhale. Exhale. Inhale. Exhale. Feel your body. Okay. First thing you do is just feel your body. What is it telling you? Is your heart beating? Are you worried? Like, okay, I'm already a minute late and I'm taking these three breaths. What's going on? Be aware of that because your body is going to, you know, lead the way into this meeting. So, you know, you might want to just check yourself. Make sure you're not so excited that you're going to start talking in a higher pitch and talking faster. You just slow everything down. Okay. You know, it just takes takes 10 seconds, right? Check, check in with your body. Feel your heart. Next, figure out what the goal of the meeting is. Remind yourself, what is the goal of this meeting? What do I want to get out of it? Okay, what is really what's going on here? What do I want to do? Again, another 10 seconds. Then number three, and this really works well with situations where you're going into a difficult conversation. Think of something about the person you're dealing with uh, and appreciate what they're doing. Uh, appreciate something, it doesn't have to be in the same category. You know, if you have a, a distributor or you have uh, somebody who you work with and you don't really know them that well, you can just think randomly like they're a person, you know, they have kids. Or how about that one time they helped you out? You can think of whatever it is. It doesn't have to be about that specific um, situation. So within two minutes, maybe even, you know, I, I've had I, I had one client who said, you know, I forgot to do this and I was walking into the. Uh, I was walking into this meeting and then he remembered he didn't do it. And this was one of his challenges. So he just stopped real quick, walked down the hallway to, to the drinking fountain. And he did it in that time. It took just to change paths, get a drink and come back. So this is a real simple tool. It's very effective and it really helps keep you um, that kind of executive presence that you want to hold. So. If I could add here, uh... Another tool, it's a bit more complicated to execute because it actually requires you to, um, to, to do bodily movements that are not very, they're not inappropriate, but they're not usual for people to see. So what uh -huh. you actually do to raise the level of endorphin is to put your uh, arms up uh -huh. like this in a standing pose with your uh, legs a bit apart and stand like this for about two minutes. And this has direct influence on on the level of endorphins so you relax you become happier and more um confident about yourself so That's... i actually used to do that i used to go to the bathroom and do that before meetings <laughs> where i had to present yeah uh what's that zarina doing in the bathroom in there She's... <laughs> i think i think those types of things are great i think they're uh you know understanding the mind-body connection understanding how those things work that's really where we're going. You know, we're, we're really, we're, we're, we're going there. All these, all these things are interconnected, right? 
your presence is going to bring you in and make you more approachable to people. Um, this conscious leadership is what people want. They, they don't want, you know, a company polluting the environment. They don't want to work with a com company that doesn't take care of their staff or the, their customers. This is all part of who we are, um, which is actually a perfect segue into step six, okay? The, the next thing is practice compassion. Step six is practice compassion. And, and, and here's, here's why it's important, okay? First, the staff wants it, right? Like your staff wants it. If, if somebody comes to you and they have some sort of personal challenge and legally you don't really have to, you know, handle that situation for whatever reason, but if you do, you know, if you do, if you show compassion, people are much more likely to come back and, and, and work for you uh, and, and to do those hard jobs that maybe nobody else does. And, and this is proven. We know that customers want it. Customers want to hear about how compassionate their, their business is. There's, um, there's a, a restaurant group in San Francisco, Michael Meaner's restaurant group, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Patrick Hummel. Uh, is the president of that. And when COVID hit, they had to close a bunch of restaurants. Well, a, a lot of employers, they close restaurants and they're like, oh, shoot, we don't know if we can hire you back. We don't know what's going on. Kind of like a good luck. And that doesn't work, right? That doesn't, that, that's not compassionate. Patrick's group, Michael Mina's group, what they did is they established funds. They they started doing GoFundMe pages. They were working on the different restaurants that had to close, how they could all pitch in. They uh, they they kept buying food and they would make these family meals for for the staff. They would do these things and that kind of that kind of thing. That's that's what millennials and, and Gen Zers want to see. Um, you know. Um, historically, uh, millennials and Gen Zers aren't really loyal to to a company unless they have purpose and 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 they have some passion for the company and they feel like the company has values. Um, and then when that happens, that's great. Uh, what is it? Uh, somewhere people job hop, people changing jobs. That's in the United States alone. That's eleven billion dollars a year in cost to retrain, get people back in there, right? So you want to retain your people. It just makes good business sense. Um, you, you, you want to keep people engaged. There's some crazy study, Gallup poll, over 50% of uh, people are not engaged in their work. And, and, and on the flip side of that, companies that are engaged are 22% more profitable on average. So what you wanna do is you create this compassionate work culture. You get people that are engaged. You get people that are working for you. You get, you know, your staff are, are your biggest fans, right? And, and when that happens, guess what? It, it, it works in dollars and cents too. It works, it work, it's a monetary thing. It's not woo woo, it's not like, oh. And, and this is what we're talking about here. Your whole, this beautiful leadership summit, this new leadership summit, this is what your speakers have been uh, speaking about. Mark, Adi, Marcy, um, they, this is what they're talking about. They're talking about this kind of elevated way of being where it's not just this dog eat dog world, it's how we're all in this together. We are all in this together. And I think if you understand that we're all in this together and you just make your, your, you know, your table bigger for everybody to come sit at the table, well, all, all that's going to do is put more money on your bottom line. It's going to make life easier for you. Don't have to retrain people. You come up with better ideas. People get to know their job really well, and then they can improve on that position rather than people not really knowing the job and leaving. And then you get somebody else who doesn't really know the job even less. So um, I think compassion and turnover, high engagement, all those things, they're, they're all tied in. So mm -hmm. I, I think on a, on a logical level, uh, leaders understand that. And still, they have a difficulty of applying um, any of these principles. And I'm wondering why, when, when they know about these facts, I mean, you, you read about them constantly, that the cost of hiring somebody are five times higher than the cost of uh, retaining somebody, right? Uh, right. So, I, I agree. So the question I, is, when, when they know all of these things, that 
that it's all about inclusion, that, you know, employee engagement rises when you take care of your employees. Why is it still happening? I'm just, you know, just, I'm not expecting an answer from you. I'm just wondering what is happening that people don't realize that yet. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I think people are slowly learning, understanding it, but I think part of the problem is um, how you grew into your, your role. Right. So if you grew in, if you grew into your position and it was basically top down, right? So you were whatever, mm -hmm. I, I grew up in restaurants, right? So, right. you know, you'd be a, whatever, you'd be a server. And then, you know, one day you would be a, a, a bartender. And if you did your job really, really well, then, um, then all of a sudden the next step is, uh, you know, you're the manager and then you just, you're going to manage like, oh, this is the way I did it. So this is the next way to do it. And, and if you, if you just constantly just do always do what you always done, you always get what you always got. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a question. I think somebody, there's a comment. Uh, yeah. Some companies look for um, turnover because they feel they need to bring new blood into the organization. And thank you, Anne-Marie for this question. Yeah. So Yeah. Go ahead. No, I, I, I remember very well um, when there was a reorganization in the company that I was working for, there was a takeover. So they, they thought, okay, now we need new blood. Now we need to change everything. And that actually uh, brought a lot of pressure onto the existing uh, employees. Like they suddenly thought, okay, they need new blood. I'm old blood. I'm not so worthy anymore. So there was the, it was in the air. I'm not appreciated, you know, the employees at the moment. So I don't know if this, brought any good to tell you the truth the bringing right. of new blood and, and yeah. you know what and, and and sometimes you know sometimes you know you allow that but again you're not taking 100 percent responsibility if your choice in the matter is just like i'm not going to take care of my employees and hopefully they leave like that's not a proactive way at all that's not even a reactive way that's just ignoring things yeah um this this whole idea like of, of being a conscious leader that these the things we're talking about today the things this this whole program has been talking about is is are things we learn in kindergarten be nice tell the truth work hard you know these, these are like the most basic fundamentals of just being a good human being and mm -hmm. somewhere along the way and this is this is this is where it, it shifts if if we grew up and we still had that kind of childlike, you know, love for other people and idealism and everything else, then when people came into our organizations, they would see an organization that like were built on these principles of trust and caring and compassion. Um, but they're, they're not. And, and somewhere along the way, it's because as leaders, we have learned that, no, you've, you've got to be tough. No, don't share your personal life. No, don't, you know, there's this whole, don't be vulnerable. I've got to know all the answers. Don't be vulnerable. Um, but, but think about it. When, if you get a, if you get a leader and you, you working with someone and you're going into a meeting and you have a lot of respect and this guy's the boss and this woman's the boss or whatever, and you're, you're looking up and the very first thing they say to you is say, I got an issue. And, when your boss says that, you know, your heart starts bumping, right? I got an issue and <laughs> you're thinking it's yourself. Well, as it turns out, they say, I got an issue and I don't know how to solve this problem. Got this big problem, whatever, marketing, COVID, whatever. All of a sudden it creates a space where somebody says, I'm important and I'm important. And this guy cares enough about me and thinks enough about me that they're going to approach me on this. And so this is, you know, this is part of the whole, you know, the, you know, the whole equation. We've just got to be better, you know, better uh, people. So, and and why don't we do it? Sometimes we know it, and this gets into my seventh uh, seventh thing. The seventh seventh thing we have to do is 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 improvement. It's kaizen. The Japanese have a word for it, kaizen. It's just improvement. It's just like trying to make things better all the time. And this goes back. All these things. If you want to improve all the time, and you have compassion for other people and you have this presence that allow people to check in with you without having this ego, um, you're going to be able to make the very best goals and, and you're going to be living in this world where it's win-win. And, and guess what? You're the one who created 100% responsibility. That's those seven going backwards and that's how it works. If you improve and you, you just become a better person, 
you've got to learn this stuff. It's not easy checking your ego, right? It's not easy being vulnerable. It's not easy acting like you don't know all the answers. Um, back in um, May of 2001, I was a young, I had become, I was the youngest uh, general manager for a, a kind of exclusive uh, steakhouse restaurant company. And, um, the, and I, uh, I had had migraines. I started meditating. This is when I started meditating. And I be, it was on the board for the Tibetan Cultural Center in Bloomington, Indiana. And it was the center of the Dalai Lama's, it was the Dalai Lama's brother center. And I was on the board there and the Dalai Lama happened to uh, come. And whenever he came, he would stop off, he would visit his brother. And then he'd give us uh, like a 20 minute pep talk, this, this small group of people that volunteered there or worked there. And um, at the time I had, you know, uh, my baby daughter, my, she's probably 18 months old, two years old and, you know, fussy nap time, you know, I was like, I get to meet the Dalai Lama. We're not taking a nap now, baby. We're, we're on our way. Right. So there was this moment and I'll, I'll never forget it where I was really getting into meditation and I was like, well, you know, am I really going to be able to get into meditation is this this business guy, I'm a family guy, like, you know, should I be a monk? Like what, you know, I, I can't be a monk now. And I, I was lamenting the fact that I, that I couldn't like more explore more uh, in, in this Tibetan Buddhism with the Dalai Lama. And in this really passing very quick comment, all he said was, we don't need more monks. We need more good people in business. And that has always stuck with me. And that's why I'm here today talking to you. I, that's why I'm very passionate about your program you're putting on. And that's, that's my mission. So. That was awesome. Thank you so much, Clifton. I, I'm especially appreciative of the fact that you linked so well all the steps that you gave to the human-centered approach that I wanted to focus on so much in this uh, uh, leadership summit and really it was amazing. Thank you so much also for the for the stories that you shared. <laughs> I can really relate. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me on. And uh, I've really enjoyed the presenters so far. So I'm looking forward to the rest of the program. How can people find you for a consultation, executive coaching? Um, you can uh, look me up on my web. I think I'm the only Clifton Carmody on the internet for some reason. I'm not sure. Uh, you can look me up there mindful leader mndlldr.com mindful leader without any vowels um, uh, is my website you can email me at clifton at mindfulleader.com uh, and i'm happy to discuss this i'm happy to discuss this stuff i'm happy to bring it to people's organizations i'm happy just to chit chat about this just on an email so um, feel free. This is this is my passion, and, and bringing this to other people and sharing these easy ideas, really simple ideas, not easy, uh, is really my my purpose. Awesome. And by the way, I think you have managed quite well on the fourth step of ego check. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm working on that. That's 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 my biggest thing. I hope my. You know, my wife thinks that too. So, <laughs> so. good job. <laughs> okay, thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. And uh, are there any other questions? Just to give a chance for any final questions. Thank Anne you. No? Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all, and uh, have a blessed day. Go out you there and too. take care of your people. Take care. <laughs> bye bye. bye, -bye.